BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. Today I've got with me two London-based producers, Alex Bentley. Hello, Alex. Hi. And Jen Handoff. Hello. How are you? Doing well, doing very well. Now, you're both veterans of the BritFlix podcast, so I'll explain to people who you are. Um, Alex, you were on most recently. We were talking about a film you're developing called Baptism. Yep. You've also got behind you other feature films with the same director, Phil Hawkins. Uh, the four, four war was it? Kind of read me on writing now. The Four Warriors <laughs> yes. uh, from 2015 and uh, the Last Showing, which thankfully I gave a positive review because when we met, I had yep. that horrible feeling. I didn't know what review I'd given it, and then we were going to talk again at a future time. <laughs> thank you very much so yes but I was just to, and then to add to that obviously we, we met sort of for, although last show was before it was way before we, we actually met each other we met in the formal just for those who didn't catch that last show is we met in the rather formal setting of the United Kingdom Trade and Investment Offices for a, a lovely talk from film professionals didn't we indeed yeah that was that was a lot of fun indeed so and Jen Handoff you're our, our relationship started before, long before I met you. Yeah, indeed. Yes, absolutely. It did. I reviewed, um, I reviewed Devil's Business for Quietus and then interviewed back, Sean. Back okay. in the way before times. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we finally met in Cannes over a burger. Uh, which is, which I think is kind of the best way. That's the best way to meet people is over a burger and in somewhere as, as close to Cannes, if not actually in Cannes, as you can possibly be. It's kind of like a, it's like a positive highlight of can to go for a burger. I think exactly. It's one of those. It's there's nothing. It's it's a little bit of first aid. Let's be honest. The burger, burger and chips and can is a little bit of, of first aid, both psychologically and physically. So and that all came about just from the the guy that joined our apartment last, who we got via shooting people, Pat Kelman. So that was a a weird way to uh, <laughs> to meet up with people, but that's how it was. And obviously, you've been on the podcast since you talked yes. about the Borderlands. Absolutely, which was which was a great fun, and it was it was great to chat with you about that because we did that just before the premiere at Fright Fest, I think. So That's we right. yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't quite know what people were going to make of it, but obviously, really pleased with the reception since then. And um, and yeah, like really appreciated you helping us get the word out as well. It was fantastic. It did. I was looking back as well because obviously I covered um, 
I spoke to Mr. Frampton about um, the Forgotten. The Forgotten. But I also I did Little Deaths as well. I did Sean and Simon Rumley back in the when that finally got a DVD. Oh my god! And if you if you, did you do Bait as well? I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. There you go. There's another one. And uh, God, I think I think maybe the only one that's come out that you've missed was the very first one, which was Isle of Dogs. And I'm not sure I'd say you've missed that. I don't think. <laughs> I think I think not watching or not not engaging with that film is probably. The, the healthiest way to move forward with I, did, I have watched the opening credits where it was on Netflix. <laughs> best part, man. It's the best bit. It's the best bit. Um, it, 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 I'll just tell you, it gets, it gets great from there. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, been, it's been wonderful having your support throughout. And I'm um, really pleased to get, to get to speak with you today about some, um, not specific films really, but just sort of, sort of uh, more the world of film and, and yes. where we're at. Yeah, you two have gone... gone started a series of talks about film now i think i did i attend the first one was that the first one the, the one about sales and distribution what was the second one it the was second. the second one the okay. first one our topic was exhibition and and distribution for theatrical films in the context of independence versus studio films okay. so not versus we're not you know uh but in uh, you know applying those against each other really and we're doing this conversation on the 22nd of April. On the 18th of April, you held a talk on women in film. Yes. <laughs> which, which as, as I already observed in the preamble to this, you two are women in film. So we <laughs> will, uh, we, we, yes. we will look at that one specifically as it's the more recent one and get your view on, um, on how and how, what, what you found out actually and what you were able to discuss. But just first, first off though, what, what was it that sort of made the pair of you? Well, how did you two come together to be making a series of talks? How do you two professionally? Is it professionally? I think, it I think uh, pretty much over a burger in can. Yeah. So. Okay, okay, it's effective method. <laughs> exactly. Um, what was it? We we it was a mutual a mutual colleague, Caroline, uh, who's a sales agent, who introduced yeah. us. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was what three years? No, two years. Three years. Two, maybe three years ago. Yeah. It, it it could be three, but let's pretend yeah. it was two. Um, <laughs> exactly. But um, but yeah, um, we just uh, met there, got on, had a lot of similar yeah, background. Had a few more drunken nights in London together, I think. Karaoke um, is a real bonding experience. Yes, yeah, uh, for that, anyone in film that helped, and uh, it's it's really nice. I think when you find like-minded people, actually. There is also that thing of finding like-minded women. Yes. Which in the industry, as you know, <laughs> it's still run by men in a lot of ways. And I'm not, you know, uh, necessarily, this is not me getting on um, my high horse and saying, just, well. Just the know, facts and figures show it is, is predominantly. No, I, I can observe the same facts, you're right. right. There, is, there is many, many it's, more men in China. It's it's finding like-minded women that you can actually collaborate with and have the same views about a lot of things and yeah and then going out there and I think that the series came about as we were sitting at um, having a coffee um, and I was telling Jen about how inspired I was by the Hollywood Reporter roundtables. Mm. Um, and just the way, I mean, they're amazing, you know, they, they get, especially after, during the awards season, they get like the best of the best to, to just come to one room and talk about their experiences. And I always feel very inspired by those. 
And I wondered, and I've asked Jen, what can we do in the UK that would kind of recreate it on a much lower scale, but mm. with the best intentions in mind. So, you know, we, we from the very get-go, we aimed very high in terms of our guests, uh, panelists, um, and we were very lucky with the people that we got on the panels. Absolutely. They've, they've all been incredible experts and, and you know, sort of top in their field and, and um, just really, really generous with their time to come and spend a couple hours talking to a room full of strangers about their their deepest, darkest realizations and secrets about the film industry. So we've been really pleased. That's the thing. It sort of, it gets people talking um, and people that know, like a lot of these guys, the first talk we did, we had the director of sales from Disney, from 20th Century Fox, um, MD of Metrodome, um, head of Empire Cinemas, Cineworld Cinemas. So, you know, guys yeah, yeah, yeah. are in the thick of it when it comes to seeing, well, and it comes to organizing what audiences see on screens because actually it is down to those conversations that you, ten, you then go to your local Cineworld Cinema at a 6 p.m. showing and can see this or that. Yeah, why, what films are actually there. Yeah. And, and for us, because those people are rarely audience facing or filmmaker facing. Um, and that a lot of the issues they're finding themselves dealing with theatrically or in terms of exhibition, um, it's, it's conversations that if they were able to have them directly with their audiences or with their filmmakers, we could find solutions and move forward in really beneficial ways. And, and that for us was a lot of what this was about is, is, having these open conversations that usually take place behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. And and instead of trying to um, hoard the information like some kind of dragon sitting atop a pile of gold, um, dispersing that information so that everyone can benefit from it and so that, that really the industry as a whole can, can improve itself. Mm. And, it, you know, I feel like, as Jen said, they don't always... Um, go out there, they don't really have these opportunities to speak on panels. Um, I know obviously Screen International and, and different platforms do talks, but they usually just go for the, I don't know, the, the president of that company. Whereas actually it's a lot of the time it's the directors that do the, the job and then their managers and, and actually getting the, the mid-level management people is fascinating because they they go out there and do it day in day out and that's how the mechanics of, of a lot of these things work and it's it's interesting to give them a voice and hear them speak about how you know a how passionate they are about films and delivering whatever role they are delivering um but you know, everyone likes to be listened to and ask questions. Mm. Um, and it is, it is interesting. So a lot of like sales agents, you know, you don't, you, you would see sales agents on, on panels, uh, of course, but it's, it's asking maybe not the obvious questions. It's, it's going a bit further. Well, exactly. And, and maybe Stuart, you could let us know, but, but with the panel you attended with the sales agents and, and acquisitions people, the, the information we were hoping to get out to our, and we, and we do think filmmakers are our audience, be they actors or directors or writers or producers. We really see filmmakers as our audience. Mm. Um, and with that panel, the point was to try and get information out to them 
so that they can prepare their projects for sales and acquisitions so that they're not making all the same mistakes that all the same people make the first time around and getting that information out about what kind of projects they're looking for and what you need to have prepared to show to them and what kind of projects they're not looking for and what things not to do. But that by, by eliminating this guessing game that, that especially young filmmakers find themselves playing, um, again, we can just elevate the, the entire playing field and, and make it a more interesting place for everyone. No, no, no. I think, I think, I think, I think honesty about how it might work, which was, which was a big, a big plus for the event I, I attended, um, as opposed to the usual kind of hope building film seminar, which is, you know, we're all going to be discovered and win lottery tickets to Hollywood. Exactly. It's it's. I'm still waiting for my golden ticket to come in the post, but I'm sure it's yeah. coming any day now. But um, no. When you're absolutely right, there's there's so much cloak and dagger in this industry, and and for some reason people are so afraid to share information. But really, that that's just detrimental to everyone. It's it's information that can that can be of assistance. Um, and and being honest about it, as you said, and being honest about what it takes means that that hopefully people won't have to wade through a hundred slightly improperly packaged products, uh, projects, products as well, um, to get to that one or two decent diamond in the rough that might be hidden amongst the, the dreck, as it were. I must admit, just, just reflecting on, on the, the, the talk I attended, it was, it was a dismal surprise to discover <laughs> that some of the main points of advice were send me a script that looks like a script. I know. And, and, shocking. And, and for the, and not not so much that that's shocking, but the fact is that it 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 become you, you begin to realise that you're in you're in you're competing against volume as much mm -hmm. as you're competing against quality. Mm -hmm. Because if someone's got a pile of shit, then they're gonna think everything's shit after a bit. Yeah, if that's that all you keep getting, because that's you know as opposed to if people waited till they were ready, then it would just be about. Oh, I've got the laborious task of having to read another script, which I want to. Yeah, well, they just, you know, they're just doing a job, and actually, it could be detrimental to to their enjoyment. You know, it's sort of they why, you know, if they if they're seeing, as you say, so much crap coming their way, they're not going to be enjoying doing what they're doing because why bother investing time and in trying to find a gem? when, you know, the majority of stuff you get is, is not even readable. So Exactly. And it's it's also, you know, Alex and I have, have noticed there's this sort of prosumer revolution in film where with cameras becoming more affordable and more accessible, anybody can pick up a film, uh, pick up a camera. You know, you can make a film on your iPhone these days. Mm -hmm. and, and so literally anyone has the material to hand to make a film but that because of that, there's a lot of people jumping in without asking the questions, without pushing the material. And exactly as you both have said, it creates this, this sort of deluge of half-baked product. And it's really hard for the authentic quality filmmakers to stand out from that if they don't have a star in their project or a standing relationship with the sales agent. Mm. And so, again, our hope is to, is to sort of thin out that, that flood of you know, ill-prepared material, really, and, and help everyone to learn how to better present it so that the, the rather than being faced with a, with a flood of subpar projects, um, sales agents and distributors are looking at a, a sort of a, a bubbling brook of really <laughs> decent content coming their way. 
I'm, hope, makes... I'm hoping that day's that day's going to come soon. I think that I think with with the prosumer notion, I think what's happened is we have given everybody the chance. I mean, the fact that we can all pick up a paintbrush doesn't mean the the art shops are full exactly. of um, canvases that you wouldn't want to look at twice. So clearly, something happened there with people not always wanting to paint. So I think that this idea that the means of production is in everyone's hands, that novelty will wear off. And hopefully there'll be sort of a, a weeding out somewhere down the line. Because obviously anyone can write a screenplay. You know, we just need a computer. Either, we need a typewriter or a pen and paper. You know, it's exactly. not. Exactly. It isn't, it isn't exactly inaccessible. So, but, but the thing is, it is ultimately though, it's, a, it's, it, it may be an art film might be an art form, but it's also a commercial business. Absolutely. And I was interested as well in the, on the positive front from a kind of listening that they were being very honest is that, they were talking figures, you know, they, they were talking real figures about what they would do, the business that they did at various, you know, at Berlin and whatever. And I thought that was really, that was really, that, that was really heartening from an audience point of view to hear that. Because obviously there's a contract between you and the panel, which is, you know, what's in the room is, is, is for you to learn from, not for you to go out and tweet and go, do you know what so-and-so said? Exactly, um, exactly. So what was your conversation like with the panel? So let's take the first two before we get onto the women in, women in film talk. Those first two, which are obviously very much about the commercial aspects of how films get seen and make money. What were your talks like with the panel members beforehand about what they were going to talk about? I mean, were, did they have any concerns about what they Absolutely. might call? Absolutely. <laughs> it's been it's been a real softly, softly approach. And again, we're so grateful for for all of the contributions from our panelists so far, because they don't have to be that specific and they don't mm. have to share that information. And, of course, um, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, some some of them choose not to and some of them choose to. And, and we, we always tell them that it's at their discretion. Mm. Um, certainly, there's always the possibility of someone in the audience misbehaving and being specific with the information outside of the room. Yeah. Um, and, and so we certainly wouldn't want anyone to bring something in that was, was incredibly sensitive. But, um, but yeah, we just, so far it's, you know, a big, big applause to our audience for helping us maintain that structure and helping our, our panelists feel safe in the room and feel like they can share the information because they're not going to get, you know, a firestorm on Twitter for, for having said what kind of sales figures they, they, um, imagine to see from a theatrical release or from, from a certain kind of film. Um, but yeah, I think especially you know with the studio guys as well, they they've got they they sign these humongous contracts <laughs> that you know prevent them from doing exactly that is is being you know very honest and really expressing and and this, these are their opinions, but at the same time, it's a bit of a company line that you know they they sometimes. Uh, talk about and and that that was fascinating and and actually on the first talk it was amazing after a while they started teasing each other about the issues that they were currently having i know that you know star wars was uh opening um star wars was taking up a lot of the independent films potential spots at the cinemas and there was a particular kerfuffle yeah. people might remember at the time um but it's great you know it, it kind of they they definitely eased into the conversation and that was every panel that we did so far um yes as as jen said um the, the panelists definitely feel safe but they also really want us specifically to point out at the very beginning that it is chatham house rules and 
please do not discuss this. Um, and, and they, that line alone just, just eases them into um, the start of the talk. And just, just to add to that, that it's not as though we're, we're having them or asking them to discuss matters that are legally confidential, but rather we're having them give the audience the same kind of information they would get if those meetings were, um, were made privately and one-on-one. -on -one. So really we're giving the audience um, access to these individuals to get information that they might not otherwise be able to obtain, but that should be open to the film community. So we're really pleased to be able to offer those kind of opportunities to our audiences. And better than that, I think, is the opportunity to meet your peers. Yes. I think, I think in the events, I think. I was going to say, I think in the context of the kind of bits of honesty, or like you say, stuff that you would get if you sat down with them one to one, suddenly in a room, gets you thinking about what you're doing. And if you're meeting new people, then you're already open to the topics that have just been put in front of you because that's what you've got in common right at that very second. You know, as much as you're filmmakers, you've got what's just been talked about. So suddenly you begin, it's a great opportunity to be exploring it from your point of view and learning from somebody else's experience as well. Well, absolutely. And, and we've been really pleased as well that, that some of our panellists have actually come back to be audience members. Oh, check um, you. And we, yeah, we were yeah. really, really thrilled about that because it, it, you know, everybody sort of smiles and shakes hands and says thank you at the end of these things. But, mm. but the fact that they've actually, you know, asked to come back and attend future panels, it's really gratifying to know that they feel the information is that valuable as well. Exactly. The feedback that we've been getting, you know, from audiences, from, from guests and, um, you know, and the places that we were hosting them, uh, the guys from Summer House and Century, they, they, you know, everyone was just really grateful that this is something that gets to the root of the problem a lot of the times. And, and we are asking those questions and we are sparking those conversations. Um, and that's, that in itself is a reward for us and, and a motivation to continue doing those. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to mention as well, you know, we've, we've not charged for any of the, we don't charge admission for these at this point. And as the costs get greater, we might look into doing that. But at the moment we've had every single one has been filled to capacity, be that an 80 person room or 150 person room. Every event has been filled to capacity. And, um, we've, we've just been really pleased with it. But again, you know, like I said, the fact that we're not charging people to come to it at this stage, it's because we want the information to get out, out there. And thankfully, Soho House and Century Club have made that possible for us in their, in their partnerships with us, which we really, really appreciate. So, yeah, it's been, it's been mm, fantastic, it's been actually. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's reflect on the most recent one. And as I didn't, I didn't attend it, I'm in your hands now. So you could, you could tell me <laughs> that you solved, you solved the world's, you told the world's problems. But, uh, so you, 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 your last, your last talk was women in film. Um, do you want to, do you want to, obviously, as I've already pointed out, you two are women in film, but who, who, who were your guests that you had on the panel first of all? So we had fantastic guests. Um, we had Emily Berrington, an uh, actress from Recently Humans, 24. She was in the last showing as well. Um, we had Jeremy Zimmerman, our casting director. Um, we had Lila Vandenberg. Uh, Lila's a, a, she's sort of an uber comic female and she's been writing on The Flash and she co-wrote the TV series Uncle. Okay. Um, but she's she's an amazing woman from just a general comic book superhero background, which is obviously where a lot of the gender split is coming from at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then in addition to her, we also had Rihanna Pratchett, um, who designed, um, uh, well, she wrote Mir uh, video games, Mirror's Edge, Heavenly Sword, and most re well, the most recent incarnation of Lara Croft, which again, it's a really interesting perspective to see how that character in particular has developed over the years. So, um, you know, yeah, that was, it was such a treat to, you know, have such a, a different um, mix of people and they were genuinely interested uh, in the topic and, and, you know, gave some really, uh, yeah, it was a very poignant um, conversation um, that we definitely enjoyed. What did you, what did you go in? I mean, obviously women in film is a big, big yes. <laughs> So what, what, what did you narrow it down to, to get the discussion started? Where did you, well, where did you begin with your thoughts on, oh, or where did the panel begin to concentrate well, their thoughts? So the, the title of the talk was actually Why Not a Woman? Oh, okay. And um, what, we, what we really set out to do was we, we knew what we didn't want to do. We didn't want to just rehash the same desperate facts and figures about women not being represented in film. We know it's the case. We don't need to talk about that. Everybody knows. Mm. And off the back of that, if everybody knows, why is it still a problem? Mm. And so that's really what we centered the conversation around. If awareness is there, why not a woman? Why is this still a problem? So that's really the basis on which we we started the conversation and um, developed it from there. Do you, do you think, I mean, just a devil's advocate, do you think it is a problem? I think absolutely. And I think the conversations that came out of, of the talk displayed that. You know, you have... An, and this is, this is, I might be jumping the shark here, but I, my, the thing that I learned from mm. the conversation was that from a very early age, the female characters who we are presented, and I'm talking about the literature we read at school mm -hmm. and the literature we're taught at school, mm -hmm. we, the female characters who were asked to inhabit are not, and, and I hate the phrase strong, female characters because it's a stupid phrase they're not weightlifters well, no, I, know what you mean. I know what you're saying <laughs> well-developed three-dimensional characters yeah um and you know you look at the jane austens and the dickens and everything else at uh, shakespeare w women are not given badass characters and so obviously when when young women are reading these books when young men are reading these books that's how they perceive and engage with those characters mm. now come on to something like lara croft um, and there are several scenes. It's a first-person game in several scenes, uh, especially the quick time events. And um, Rihanna was saying that the most interesting emails she got off the back of the film were from male fans saying, thank you, I didn't think I could put myself in the perspective of a female character, but I see now that I can, and I'm having a great time with it. So that, that really it's an issue of perspective, and mm. that if we're not giving people the perspective to empathize with female characters they can identify with, then that really is a problem. We're, we're, we're missing out on speaking to 50%, 51% of the world in that case. Mm. And so rather than just having, um, you know, uh, the Beowulfs and the, the Romeos and everyone else who's these, these active, incredible male characters, we're left with the, with the hair braiding ribbon, tying sort of delicate women and and we deserve better than that as people you know men deserve to to inhabit more interesting female characters just as much as women do so yeah yeah it's it's definitely a problem when the representation of the world on screen 
doesn't represent the world in reality. And actually, there was an interesting point I'd love you to talk about, about the, the second AD issue. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, it was so interesting that when it was, was brought up, because a lot of the extras that you see um, in films and, and TV... And animations, even. Yeah, exactly. They they predominantly male. And then the audiences, actually, when you put more females in the mix, they don't think that's natural. And that's... I've heard, I've heard this, yeah. You know, that's crazy. But actually, it's the second... So a lot of the time, it will just come down to the second AD making those decisions and booking, you know, uh, obviously I'm sure the director will specify that they want a, a group of extras, but I'm not sure how many times they would have a com- specific conversations about gender. Mm. And then, you know, the natural thing is to just have more guys. And and that's crazy. It was specifically, because um, the, the question came about initially in the talk to do with animations, and, and, and one woman brought up, why in an animation is it not more evenly yeah. split? Because you're drawing them. You, you yeah. can absolutely, and they, you know, it doesn't matter the gender That's of the voice. Right, yeah. You're drawing them. They can be whatever you want them to be. Mm. Um, and Rihanna brought up that in Star Wars, she was, in the most recent Star mm. Wars, she was amazed at the neutral split between men and women, that actually it was, it was a, a really accurate, natural, realistic split. But she noticed it. But she noticed it. it because it's so absurd that we should see as, Fifty percent women on screen, just like there are in the actual world. How yeah. strange! Um, but yeah, so so it's yeah, these kind of things that came out of the conversation that showed us we've sort of become acclimated mm. to this problem, and that that can trick us into thinking that it isn't a problem because it's the norm. But it shouldn't be, and and we can all do better than that as filmmakers, as storytellers, as as audience members as well. Um, yeah, I think we were trying to encourage the audience in, you know, a lot of them were filmmakers to just do better, you know, and, and even say, if they have kids, give your kids books that have, you know, three-dimensional female kids. Exactly. <laughs> um, just, just broaden the horizons from the very beginning, and, and that's, that's fascinating, and I love that we, we're having these different conversations. Because actually TV, another thing that came out of the talk is that TV is is definitely leading the way in, in this Netflix and, and the shows that are on Amazon Prime. Yeah, Jessica Jones, this yeah, kind of thing. this is mm. great. You know, the the, uh, the Good Wife, How to Get Away with Murder, strong, uh, great different types of women. And, yeah, that's that's definitely something that audiences are watching. So it's not – these shows are hugely popular. These are not shows that are suddenly um, – yeah, they've, they've got great ratings, so why shouldn't it be the case with films that we've seen on the big screen? Because that's still not as pre- prevalent as as we might want it to be, I don't know. As, as it should be, even, yeah. Funny, funny enough, I um, I was caught out by that, the recent... Um, the recent Twitter thing, which was um, female introductions in screenplays. Yes. I don't know if you followed any of that. <laughs> Intelligent, but attractive. Yeah. As though the two things <laughs> coexist. Shockingly, an intelligent yeah. and I'm... attractive woman? Surely not. She <laughs> must wear glasses and have her hair pinned up. Get out of here. Exactly. <laughs> like... and, I, and I did. I went back over a couple of scripts and I thought, let's have a look, see what I've done. I also went back over some classic scriptures to see how bad it had got or how bad it had been. And um, 
Yeah, no, I had to, I made some edits conscious of the fact that really? yeah, you you yeah. don't a it doesn't need to be there. It 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 you might as well just say the name than well, exactly. say it at all yeah. because. I do it lots. Of, I mean, it is it is that weird thing. I mean, you can't help you can't help perspective, but once you're aware of it, then mm. then you can you can do something about it. And I think that's that's one of the big things about the debate. It's interesting you had a gamer, a game developer on there. On on the um, you did say game developer, didn't yeah, you? yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you obviously because obviously we, we had the famous the the, the ongoing gamergate thing, which oh, is, absolutely, which is this idea that women can't even develop games. And we, we, we decided at the beginning of the conversation, because we do with our panelists, we send out a short list of questions in advance so that mm. they can think about them and mull them over. And then we just have a conversation when mm -hmm. we get there. So it's not, it's not going down and, and interviewing them on the specific questions. It's of just course. the flow of the conversation. These are topics we'd like to cover. Mm -hmm. And we decided early on that we didn't want to talk about Gamergate because I mean, forgive my language, but it's a load of bullshit, really. It's, we don't want to honor it by giving it conversation. It's, it's a bunch of idiots who are sexist and don't know what they're talking about. So why give them, why give them the ad space? No, sure. sure. I, mean, I was, I was going to say was it, 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 I was watching some stuff on, um, on YouTube about a guy being, well, it wasn't about a guy. It just was a guy being a div. <laughs> and he was, he, he wasn't game again. He was just arguing that, that, um, women moaning about female representation in games, the solution to that in his mind was leave my games alone, go and make your own games that you like, as opposed to there being a sort of collective responsibility that things have to change generally. Because obviously what we've talked about with Jane Austen and all those other things that we grow up with, they're all part of the conditioning that leads to exactly. where we are. So it's not it's not the game itself that's the problem. <laughs> so and it's not film itself that's. I mean, and, and the reason I asked is is it is it a problem? Is because it's something that gets discussed on um, script notes. John August and Craig Mazan. Mm -hmm. Obviously, two men, but obviously one one of them's a gay man on there. So in terms of there's a there's a there's a kind of notion of a of a, of a minority in terms of. Uh, in terms of discussing it, but he was saying that um, they, they, there's the constant Hollywood report about women in film, and they were looking at the stats. And each year, because I've been listening to it for a while, each year they kind of they kind of ask the question, "Yep, yeah, we know that." Exactly. And, and <laughs> who, who's doing anything about it? And the answer is nobody. The the, the 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 Writers Guild will will write a report that says there's this many women screenwriters and there's this many whatevers. And so we have the statistics, but but the the commercial marketplace doesn't seem to always want to react to it. Even when box office hits, certainly over the last two years, absolutely, I've had strong female indicate, leads. Yeah, indicate that female leads actually, well, there, there's not just female leads as well, but minorities. There was, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, there yeah. was uh, some facts recently, and I might be getting these slightly wrong, but they're definitely in the wheelhouse, that if you have at least two black supporting characters in your feature... Like like main supporting characters, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. not background. Um, they don't even have to be the leads. But if you have at least two, then you're guaranteed higher figures at the box office. And I think it was something ridiculous, oh, like twenty percent. Oh, like no, no, no. it was yeah. higher than that, wasn't that? Yeah, it was. Yeah. But anyway, like you're, you know, and to think that people are leaving that kind of money on the table because they're afraid to take a risk or they're afraid to break the status quo. And it's why we're seeing it happen more in television and online and, and uh, VOD and SVOD is that those are, are, those have lower risk as far as the return. They either have subscription numbers, which they're meeting, 
or they have a lower cost, so the return doesn't have to be as high. But that's why we're seeing people take those risks, which, let's be honest, aren't really risks, um, on those mediums. And we spoke about the real litmus is going to be Wonder Woman coming up. And, mm. and if, if Wonder Woman yeah. kicks butt at the box office, then, then maybe the studios will realize that Black Widow needs her own goddamn spinoff. And that some, and maybe her costume won't be three times as skin tight as every other character in the film. <laughs> fair enough, um, fair enough. But but, but but obviously, what we're talk, what we're concentrating on here is those that are in front of the camera, which is you know we've mentioned you've mentioned about how the split of extras is just seem to be odd when it's fifty fifty, and we're talking about lead characters being male or female in quite a binary sense. But those behind the camera, like yourselves. Mm-hmm. There isn't the pressure to be. There isn't the same pressure to look like a man because you're not on screen. If there is, if there is indeed a fault of pressure. So what is the what is happening behind the camera then in terms of the uh, the, I, the yeah, what I, I women mean, why why a woman? So we had um, we had a couple of interesting perspectives on this, mm -hmm. and one uh, we had one of our writers mention that some. Um, that even though there's no active, oh, no, 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 we can't have that character be a woman in the writer's rooms, there is this habit of not automatically thinking, well, can we fit a woman in here? Or looking at a cast list and thinking, ooh, this is, this is ten guys and one girl, and there's no reason, there's no, no larger percentage of women. But that it's this sort of, it's almost insidious. Nobody's intentionally being sexist. Mm. Nobody's, you know, slapping people in the ass as they go out the door. But there's just this insidious, habitual um, lack of looking to females, looking to female writers, looking to female characters. And that, that, that itself, until we force people to break that habit it will continue to be a problem. So it's just like smoking. You don't just wake up one day, find out smoking's bad for you, and stop. Mm. You've got to make a real effort to change your habits and to change your behavior. And I think I think that's what we're trying to do. We, exactly. we, we encourage all the women to find their male advocates um, and to, to convert at least one male advocate to becoming a supporter of women in film. A verbal supporter, not just someone saying, oh, yeah, no, we should have more, but somebody's going to pay to go see Wonder Woman on opening weekend and vote with their dollar. Exactly, mm. and we also, well, one of the audience members was a film director, um, and he actually has this genius way of incorporating women, which I thought was wonderful, he basically does not, so he hires his HODs, and whether they're male or female, um, he then pays, he doesn't actually hire them, he pays them weekly until they assemble their teams. Mm -hmm. And he, unless 50% of the team is female, he's not hiring them on the film. So they're on probation effectively so until they can show that, and this is, this is a huge blockbuster directing tentpole director, yeah. and he's He's been around, he's been making films since the early 80s exactly. as well. So, it's... so that, I thought, in itself was just wonderful as an approach because uh, it really takes those type of people to change the system. And yes, he can, you know, that's hence the reason I'm not uh, mentioning his name, but it's, you know, he, he does uh, come under fire with a lot of, especially camera department, lights, you know, there are departments that it's not as easy to find 
women, but it, it's possible. It's and, not impossible. And like, that's the point. Just because it's hard doesn't mean we shouldn't be trying to do it. Yeah. And, and guess what? The more women we hire for those positions, the more women will come into the career force to, to occupy those positions and it will get easier. Um, one, one other, one other point that was great came from our casting director, which is that he will frequently encourage filmmakers to look at the genders of their role or the presentation of genders in their roles and encourage them to go broader or go more female or improve, improve the sort of chauvinistic spin of their projects. Mm. And what he ends up being met with is, and, and wait for this one, but he ends up uh, being met with the sales agent saying, no, the distributors don't want that. And the thing is, you can't blame the sales agents for that because they have to respond to the marketplace. They can only respond to what distributors tell them. Mm. So really, it's about the producers and the directors and the sales agents really pushing the distributors and saying, look, here are the facts and figures. This is going to work. This is better. You need to take this risk because it's not actually that big a risk. It's, mm. it's proven to work. Yeah. Um, so so taking, taking the phrase yeah, but female-driven films aren't profitable out of a distributor's vocabulary is going to be a big part of what, what incorporates this change into the, into the environment we're in. But, um, Absolutely. but yeah, there's loads of, uh, of solutions to be had, and um, loads of it is just about speaking up, whether or not you're a man or a woman or a producer or an actress or a writer or an audience member. Just speaking up about it and, and re reiterating that these habits need to be broken. Is there a sense that it's got better? I mean, yes. In, in, I mean, <clears throat> you know, the idea of the kind of macho, cantankerous, drunk, coke fiend mm -hmm. telling everybody to fuck off and having a fight to justify making a film in whatever role they're in, whether they be the lead, the director, the first AD or whatever. <laughs> Whichever one t takes that role up. And that becomes a kind of badge of honour, this idea that you've got to go mental to be considered a filmmaker. Um... Do you think, and I'm not saying that women are not susceptible to that by any stretch of imagination, but I can imagine if you're not that, it's gonna, it's the kind of image that will put you off. It's a bit like, it, it must have been like, if, if, if it's a crass comparison, but I think it, serves, it illustrates the thing. If you were a woman going to football in 1984 and you're watching lots of fighting and you're not a fighter, you might not go back for your second game. And that idea of going on film sets and understanding that everything's just, you know, fist bumps and argy bargy to get a film made. Um, I mean, I get the impression when I've been on sets, the few I've been on, that it isn't quite as it used to be, you know? No, well, it's it's better, but it's not good enough. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's, I, even last year on a film, was in a meeting uh, with my male production manager. We were negotiating with the location, and it was a, it was a male representative from the location, and they wouldn't address me. They just kept asking all of the questions and having the entire conversation with my production manager, who's my employee, mm. and he would have to keep asking me their questions. It was like <laughs> some kind of strange trans translator having yeah. to, to trans translate male in ease to woman in ease and, um, and going back and forth. So it's, it is, it's, I think a lot of men would actually be shocked at what their female colleagues still put up with on a fairly regular mm. basis. But that's not to say it isn't improving, and it, it absolutely it is improving. But just like you know, just like someone on a diet isn't going to stop when they're a hundred pounds lighter, but still a hundred pounds short of their goal weight. 
we can't stop now. This is not this is not a good place to stop. There be dragons here still. Um or this is that country, depending on what kind of references you want. But um but we need to we need to keep keep pushing forward until there's a balance. And it needs to be a balance. It doesn't need to be more women than men or more men than women, but balanced and a representation of the society we represent really. It's interesting as well that, that you can probably count on one hand the amount of people who are kind of at the kind of A-list status who who are remotely outspoken about this and have a point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and the backlash a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Gina Davis gets it every time she opens her mouth, doesn't she? She mm-hmm. they, there's a, there's a there's a wait, there's a queue of people waiting to condemn her for even so much as having an opinion about it. Never mind what she says. Susan Sarand- Susan Sarandon is the, is almost the same. Not. Yeah. Actually, do makes it. some of the other and like I've, I've noticed that, and it's such a shame because you know some of the other A-list women are not necessarily supporting um, the the outspoken ones mm. uh, as much as they should, and you know that's that's a problem as well. Um, I do, I, but I do think that the conversation is definitely getting stronger, and and more people are talking about it. It's the same as. Um, you know the the whole uh, Oscars situation, and, mm. and that was fascinating to to see how it develops. Um, and and you know these conversations need to happen, and that's the only way a change is going to happen. So yeah, so this is why we do the talks, and it's <laughs> and it's it's funny too. You know, looking at myself, um, my early films don't have great female characters in them, and I've made a real effort over the last year to change that. And I've, I've done two films that are in post production right now, where they both have kick ass, amazing, well developed. Sometimes you love them, sometimes you hate them. Female characters, mm. like real people in the real world, strangely mm. enough, and um, you know, looking at things like you know, we we talk about the we always talk about the the um, Bechdel, Bechdel test as being a mark for whether a film is a, a, a good representation of women. But when you look at it, films like Sucker Punch pass the test. And that's... <laughs> they do. It absolutely does. And you, you can't look at that film and say that it's a positive representation of, of femininity and all this. And, you know, I like a good action flick as much as the next guy and, and everything else. But But if that's the litmus test by which we're judging whether or not a film is good enough... In, in this political arena, then then we're not we're not being hard enough on these films, you know. <laughs> like mm. we can do better than that. And um and again, it's not it's not it's not to take away anything from the amazing male characters that are created. We we don't want to diminish any of that. But it's important that there's a balance. And um you know, gosh, I I'm I'm absolutely thrilled. A friend of mine, uh, her son is obsessed with Princess Elsa from the Disney movies. And um, from Frozen, and he dresses up and swings, swims around and la, 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 and he has a great time with it. And somebody somebody gave her a hard time for her son loving this character and wanting to be interested in this character and warned her about letting him enjoy this character so much. <laughs> and that's absurd. That's absolutely absurd. We should we should be enjoying the the spirit of the fiction and enjoying why these stories exist, which is for us to to escape to another world for an hour and a half or 30 minutes or whatever it is. And we need to have a variety of options in those worlds. It's boring when they're all the same. And it, it's it's fascinating that, that there's such a kickback against variety. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll step by step. We'll make things a little bit better together. That's what we, that, you know, it's as long as everyone tries to do something, this is what, this is our approach and it's not wrong or right. It's just what we like to do. Uh, but yeah, we, we certainly would love, um, more filmmakers to, to come and join us in the conversation. That's, that's for sure. Absolutely. And it's, it's whether or not it's paying for your ticket at a, at a movie that has a great female lead, whether it's going back through your scripts and double checking your descriptions of your female characters so that when the actress reads the script, she feels like more than a talking body. So, you know, whether it's about producers and directors pushing their, their distributors and sales agents to accept incredible female characters Everybody can do something, and, and as long as everybody's doing something, we'll get closer to the solution, and that's all we can ask for. So, to answer the question, why, what is it, why a woman? Yes, why not a woman? Why not is the answer, then, is the, exactly. is, is the corresponding answer. So what, what have you got on that, that? If that's your most recent talk, then, and I think I feel like we've only touched the surface, but we can't really recreate the whole talk, because um, it is such a big subject. What what topics have you got on the horizon for your series of talks? Well, we've got three talks. Uh, one that's scheduled for the 23rd of May uh, in the Century Club at 7pm. Um, okay, and nice. that's going to be about the real cost of film piracy. Okay. Um, and, and with that, I'm so excited about that. We've got some really cool people coming on to talk about it. And looking at just not the real cost of it, because obviously there's been a lot of those figures bounded back and forth. But looking, looking at the societal cost of it and what, how it's affecting how we make films and how it's actually a bigger issue than just the financial issue people seem to get hung up on. Um, there are the great old adverts about piracy that said you wouldn't steal a car, and they really focused on the, the theft of property side of it. But I think more than that, um, you know, we need to look at what kind of message are we setting for younger people by saying, oh, it's okay to download, it's okay to stream, um, it's not illegal or they can't catch me, so it's fine. What kind of example are we setting for, for young people about how to consume culture and how to pursue culture and support culture? Um, and, yeah, looking at, looking at not only the financial cost of piracy, mm. but also the cultural cost of piracy um, and, and what we can do to move on from that, really. And seeing what can be done, because actually, you know, with the streaming services, um, which shows... Normally, you know, when you have a U.S. show, it's a lot of the time available in the U.K. almost straight away now yeah. because they understand that people otherwise just watch it uh, illegally. So it's still not there yet, but I do feel like it's changing. So, so yes, we, we're going to have a conversation about that. Um, the next talk will be about uh, music rights. Uh, and we might actually cover film, so different clips and, and, uh, stock footage and, and all that. And, and actually just very specific in terms of the legality of what needs to be cleared, uh, for a film. So, so that's a, a more of a technical talk, which we, um, find very interesting as a subject because I don't think a lot of the time people realize that you know, whatever music you, you use in your film needs to, be, needs to be cleared, even if someone's singing it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just nuances like that that we will want to educate and have a conversation about. No, no, no. I've, I've, I had a music supervisor on the podcast a couple of months ago. It was uh, very, very illuminating. It's fascinating, isn't it? It is. And it's kind of like, 
when you when you when you find when you just ask the basic question, what does what's the most common mistake people make? You think, yeah, that's everybody makes that mistake yeah. well, in their assumption that my mate's the lead singer, so he said I can have it. Exactly, <laughs> I've literally been in that problem myself. Yeah. And it's it's also you know looking at there's a lot of myths surrounding intellectual property and Creative Commons, and and it's you know again it's sort of propagated by this guerrilla prosumer filmmaking community. Um, which is not to slam that community anyway, but if we can give them the information on how to do it properly, then it doesn't become an annoyance from the sales agents or an annoyance from the distributors. Mm -hmm. And they'll, you know, rather than going, rather than those decision makers thinking, oh, I don't want to consider this film. It's another guerrilla film. It's not going to have any of the clearances done properly. I'm not even going to look at it. We can get rid of that stigma for independent filmmakers and move on to, again, just elevating everyone's work. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, look, I will, we'll save that conversation for after that one. I'm going to attend that one, I think. Nice uh, one. Well, nice. I'll attend the piracy as well, and we'll uh, we'll get you as well as if you want. We could just do like a follow up to each talk. We could we could because they're oh, good subjects. Really? And I think yeah. that's, that follows it follows that you we just you discover something and we'll elaborate on it in nice. on the Britflix. So we'll uh, we'll spread the word because I think because I think and I think if it, with that idea of the the education side for for filmmakers, I think. Helping people not make the same mistake that 10,000 people have made last week is not a bad thing to do. Mm. Well, absolutely. And it just, it makes everybody's life that little bit easier, you know? And it's, mm. it's you know, we so often can look at the sales agents or distributors as these big, bad money people. Mm. But God bless them, you know, they go through, they go through a lot of hell to get some of these films out. And if we can make their lives that little bit easier, again, it will just elevate the whole community. So hopefully... Hopefully, we'll inch towards that one day at a time. Okay. Well, well, I, I guess is there is is it just follow you guys on Twitter? Is there a specific Twitter and Facebook page to follow? Uh, so follow follow us each individually. I'm at Jay Handorf and Alex is uh, at Alex Barrons. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes. Nice. Um, and um, finally, then, do you, have you got any any film projects up and coming that you that you can plug? Anything you want to talk about? Um, yeah, well, we've got quite, well, actually, uh, a lot of, uh, things are just about to, um, happen. Off, yeah, yeah, so, so maybe on the next one we'll be in a, a much stronger position to, you know, we obviously have films that we, we do individually and films that we're doing together. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a comedy, there is a, um, a, a teen a thriller. Uh, there are some, you know, I'm still trying to, uh, working on baptism development. Um, so yeah, exciting times. And, um, and just to, I've got, I've got to plug myself. I'd be ashamed of myself if I didn't. Um, the amazing Prevenge coming from the amazing Alice Lowe, her directorial debut. Um, and just such a kick-ass, talking about women, such a kick-ass woman. She was mm -hmm. pregnant while we were filming, and she was a rock star, just an absolute rock star. So everyone should definitely look out for Prevenge on the horizon. Hopefully later in the year we'll be starting to hit some festivals with it. And, um, yeah, just really pleased with that. So can't wait to bring it out to everyone. Well, great. And well, hopefully we'll get Alice on the podcast then, eh? We'll let near Absolutely. The time. And we could, we could even bring her, her new little elf, uh, with her, so we get a 3D experience of 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 a uh, a working mother, as it were. She's oh, she's she's such a legend. She's really great. Um, so yeah, thank cool. you so much for thank having you us. So much. I know, no, my pleasure, my pleasure.
If you don't already subscribe to BritFlix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at BritFlix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you.